ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm Janice Porter, and I'm your host, as usual. And with me today is Andrew Deutsch. Andrew is with Fangled Tech. That's the name of his company, which is a fun name to begin with. And uh, first, I'm going to say welcome, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Andrew um, runs in a lane that I'm not completely comfortable with, so I'm certainly going to ask him some questions about it. But he is a multilingual global strategic marketing and sales consultant who has successfully driven business growth in more than a hundred countries. He has traveled the globe extensively, um, melding his practical strategic business concepts with solid psychological theory, and which is are behind his bold and innovative methods. And his company, Fangle Technologies, is a strategic marketing consultancy and I'm going to leave the rest of it for a second because I want to just focus on something that you said, Andrew, on your LinkedIn profile, because you know I'm a LinkedIn person, uh, converting every touch into an advocate for your brand. So I want to start there and just tell sure. me what that means. Well, so many, so many companies focus on getting the sale, which is important, but the reality is uh, any marketing plan, any business is about meeting people who can do business with them, getting them to do business, and then loving the fact that they did and telling their friends. And when you get to that point, you've created a relationship with your customer that turns them into an advocate for what you do. So, you know, so many times you, you talk to people who've been involved in, I don't know, they bought a used car. And now they hate the company they got it from. That's not an advocate for the brand because they got ripped off. They, 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 they didn't listen. They didn't follow all the rules of creating advocates. So that's really what it's about. How do you get people to love you and love what you do? Right, which is right up my alley. And actually doesn't matter really if I understand the details of what you do in your business. And I know you, you work with um, um, larger companies Mid, medium to large size companies, am I correct? All, all different sizes, depending on, on where we are with our client base at the time. We, we flex, I've done zero, zero in, uh, income startups on through to $150 million companies. Okay, but it really doesn't matter, does it? It's all about people. It's all about building relationships and through building relationships, we're building trust, right? One, and, yep, one of the few common threads through any business, whether you're uh, an insurance salesman, or you're a doctor, or you manufacture hard industrial products, is the flow of what I had just said mm -hmm. to the point that you go past the sale and you create advocates for your brand. Mm -hmm. Another way to call them is raving fans, right? Because absolutely, and, yeah, voracious advocates is sort of the way we we frame it. But fans, followers, referral uh, partners, even yeah, the right? thesaurus has lots of words. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, 
but I, I also saw that somebody wrote a lovely uh, recommendation about you and said that you have a unique way of thinking about business and you are good at peeling back the onion and taking a step back before moving two steps forward. Do you know who said that? I do. I okay. do. So was that a company you had just worked with recently? Uh, it was a person who I helped with his business. It was, I, I do sessions uh, many times for, for people. I usually give away about an hour, an hour and a half of my time every week, what I call a pick my brain session. Oh, nice. I'm going to do so, one of those with you. Yeah. So somebody's looking to grow their business and they just want to flesh out an idea. I'm willing to give a half hour of my time for that. Mm -hmm. uh, this was somebody who had, I had met in a networking group and he says, I've got this real challenge I want to solve. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do. And so we, we met for about a half an hour and the reality was he really had never asked himself the question of this great program that he wants to sell. Who's my customer? So we did a, who's my customer session. If you waved a wand and you found your perfect customer, what do they look like? Where are they? What industry are they in? Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. And now, now that you kind of know who they are, what are the problems they have that you can solve? And, and so of what makes, huh? It's, it is. Yeah, it seems so basic, but it, it does, it, it, it isn't always asked. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. And, and today on, on LinkedIn, I actually posted a thing. Ask your top five customers, what's the real reason you do business with me? And I bet you'll be surprised that it doesn't match what you thought it was. That's a great so, uh, question. Yeah, there, there was a company I worked with. They made the kind of steel drums that are used, 55-gallon steel drums that you haul chemicals in. And we did, did a, was with them for a couple of years, doing a project to grow their business. And I asked them that question. Oh, our customers love us because we use American steel and we have a quality program and we do testing, we do all these things. Well, we did this study. We went to the top customers. You know what the number one reason people did business with this company was? They answered the phone. Oh, I love it. I love it. Number, love it. Love number it. two, when I as the buyer get a run on a product that I have to get a drum for, or I, I screwed up and I didn't order enough, they fix it. They go out of their way. They use their flexible scheduling. They get me in no other company in the industry will do that. And also number three, when they screw up, they take responsibility and they fix it right away. No questions asked. Love it. So the value of their company, why did people love that brand was a customer service mm -hmm. issue, not, uh, well, they, they use, they've got high, all of the things that they were bragging about are what you'd call table stakes and poker. You had to be able to do those things just to be in the business. Of course, you make your steel drums out of steel. Congratulations, you use steel on your steel. But all of that other stuff, which, which really was sort of a blind spot, and it, it made all the difference when we rebuilt the whole, the whole branding process and, and started to really promote that business. That's so like one of those aha moments that, mm -hmm. you know, really, that's what people are really, it's all about the people. It's all about the service. It's all about the customer experience. And yeah. yeah. So, so this, um, this uh, person that didn't know his um, target audience, when he discovered that and, and went through that, that exercise with you, did he think still that he had the right course or product or whatever it was? Um, or did things shift? I, I would, I would imagine, I don't know for sure, but based on the conversation, I think that he saw some nuance that could help him improve how he talks about his product to meet that target audience. Because the next, the next step in the process, 
every company has things that differentiate themselves from their competitors. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is sometimes they don't matter. Years ago, I was helping a, a company that manufactured upholstered furniture get into the Brazilian market. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, if you go buy a six, $7,000 sofa for your house, you go into a store and they show you a cutout and that cutout has the springs and they explain how somebody hand ties in nine, 11, 12 directions. And it really, really matters to the American consumer, this hand craftsmanship. So we would go down to Brazil and talk about it with really high end furniture stores that are selling to multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. And they would go, why would you want to show me that? I can't see that it's inside the sofa. And you go, what? Brazilians will buy the sofa because it came from the US. It's got beautiful fabric. And when they put their butt in it, it feels good. They buy it with the butt. It doesn't matter if you make the sofa out of gold, they don't care. So the very differentiators that mattered in the US to the US consumer there had no meaning whatsoever. Interesting. Yeah. And how many times do you go into a company and discover that kind or uncover that kind of differentiation? B believe it or not, almost always. I bet. Yeah. But the reality is nobody's engaging a consultant to come in when they're on a huge successful run. Right. It's usually when things have stalled or started to go negative that, that you get brought in to see what you can do to make it different. Or it's a startup and nobody, nobody even thought to do the exercise to begin with. So when you go into a company um, that has, you know, several employees or up to hundreds of employees and you are brought in as a consultant to shake things up, to make a difference, to see how they can improve in all areas or, or any particular area. Um, are people glad to see you? Are people, uh, do they have their defenses up when you talk to them? That they always, almost always have their defenses up. Many times the guys that will tell you immediately, oh, I'm so glad you're here, we need your help. Those are the guys that are gonna be the hardest to reach. It, it's it's interesting you can you can but, kind well, of well because they don't think they're part of the problem of course not of course yeah. not yeah. yeah but it's you know and and typically the the conversations in those situations get to well we've looked at this let's do this exercise and the response is oh no that's not what we do and then my response is then if it's what you do you wouldn't have asked me to come mm -hmm. people bring me in to do what you don't do so that we can mm -hmm. get to a different place and there's, you know, the, the, the secret of, of the most successful consultants that I've ever met, and there are some great people I've worked with over the years, is people who have the ability to go from zero to relationship at, at, at 100 miles an hour. You, you, people are paying for your time, and if you come in and you spend the first month just trying to get to know and, and create those relationships, you're going to fail. They're going to say, this guy can't accomplish anything. You've, you've got to be able to, to build. You've got to be able to do that fast so you yeah. can get to the heart of, yeah. And I think that's, that's an art. And I think that it's, it's also, because I, I read from your uh, bio earlier that you, um, that you uh, meld the practical business concepts with, the sol with solid psychological theory. So that's got to be your secret sauce that, um, so tell me about that. Tell me about, you know, did you study psychology? I did. Yeah. Okay. I did. So I did my undergraduate in, in international trade. Right. And, and back in, in the late eighties, every MBA that I knew was graduating to unemployment. There weren't jobs. <laughs> right. And I really, and I really wanted to focus on that global trade market and how thought, how do I differentiate in the same way that I, I do with my clients so that my resume gets to the top of the pile. 
right and decided to go back to school and studied uh what what was mental health uh counseling but really focused it on uh the industrial space and i worked actually worked for a couple of years while i was building my business practice as a, as a therapist oh, so yeah so i had a few years working in uh in, in clinical practice uh and also in the crisis center and a few other places and, and was really able to, to, to get that immediate, you're, you're, it's all about building that rapport in the, initial, in the initial phase. And then as I started doing more and more international travel, uh, I recognized, gosh, every, every place that you go with a different cultural aspect, you start to build a certain skill set to be able to truly sort of get in front of those relationships at, a, at an early point. And being sincere and humble mm -hmm. and honest sure does help. Totally. You have to have integrity. You know, people can see through it if you're not being authentic and real and, mm -hmm. and showing that you care. Um, it's funny when you were saying that and about the, um, you started to say you uh, practiced for, for a while when you were going through this. I had this vision that came to my head, not what you just said, and it wasn't what you said. Um, did you ever um, watch that show called Billions? Billions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the woman, Wendy... Mm -hmm. The woman that was the therapist that worked for um, whatever his name was in the show. I, that's what I pictured you being a therapist in a company to help these people stay on top of their game. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't help anyone. Uh, are there people that actually do that? <laughs> there, there are. There are. There are a lot of staff um, psychologists in, in corporations that are needed. Usually it, it's at the executive level, but yes. uh, there, there's a great firm here that does call center work. And they, I, I, I've used them for clients, and I think they're, they're down in Akron, Canton area here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And they have a staff psychologist because the, the sitting on the phone and taking the kind of abuse that yes. the employees do, they have someone they can talk to. And they pay, they pay a full salary for a, a counselor to be able to work with the employees to make sure that their That's mental health is taken care of. So it is a real thing. It is. It is. Um, so you wrote a, an article on LinkedIn a while ago that I just pulled up because I loved it. Love your lurkers. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because it's so sure. fun. There, I, I'm, I'm sort of at a, at a perpendicular line to a lot of these networking people on, on LinkedIn. Um, there's this idea that, that you just got to grow. You, you, you know, you, every, the more, the more in, people who are encountering and communicating and, and, and talking to you on LinkedIn and responding to your posts. And I do think there's great value in it. Mm -hmm. Although if you're, you know, the guy selling Forex trading and Bitcoin and multi-level marketing, those guys just need to stay away from me because I've got yeah. no patience. But I've discovered that most of the engagements that happen for me, I'll get an email through my website or I'll get a, a, a message on LinkedIn from someone that has not connected. I've never seen them engage in one of my posts saying, I love what you wrote here. I think it applies to my company. Can we talk? And of course, it's it's kind of like someone lurking around in the in the dark, yeah. you know, spying, and and so the the fact is, I've made more more contacts and more clients and more contracts in the last maybe two years, off of people who don't engage with me on LinkedIn but found me there. So I just joke that they're my lurkers, they're my stalkers. So I figured you'd rather be called lurker than stalker. That's a little less yeah. a little less harsh. So probably <laughs> have they been the kind that have even liked a post? No. No, they just, nothing. No, because what happens, the problem with the LinkedIn marketing, if you're 
overexposed. Like the people who, who just put, you know, there's this, this, this school of thought, I just have to post every day. And you, you'll see, like, for example, look, I'm, I'm out walking in the woods and I see these stairs going up on the mountain. And I put it on here to inspire you. Because, and I'm like, well, there's nothing inspirational about it. And if you tell me you're putting it to inspire me, chances are it's not. So there's a lot of companies that when they see that, they don't want to deal with that person because they think that they're, it's all ego. So when you're creating content, it needs to be something related to helping people mm-hmm. or, or showing what you do or don't do. The other problem with LinkedIn is as soon as somebody likes, they immediately get a request and they immediately get a pitch and otherwise. So after that's happened to you two or three times, you, you, you stop liking things. Right. You go on and you learn and you look at the content. Unless something really strikes you, you know that, that somebody's going to be bothering you, pitching you, and you don't want that. So those are the, lur- those are the lurkers. Yeah, the lurkers. I love it. So um, I spend more time using LinkedIn myself by reaching out to people that uh, either through a search I've done or just through uh, reading an article like that, mm-hmm. that, um, that I found interesting and then starting a conversation with people. I'm not a big content person. I'm trying to be better at it, but that's mm-hmm. not who I am. But I do teach people that you don't have to do that every day. You need yeah. to do it when it means something and when you have something to offer, but really, um, <laughs> what I'm noticing too, and you just said it is that, um, and I said it's earlier. Oh, in that about peeling back, peeling back the layers, people like to get a sense of who you really are, not that persona, so to speak. Right. And you see that on Facebook and Instagram, everybody lives a pretend life on there. But, um, it seems to be working for a lot of people. Yeah, it, 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 they think it, I don't think it's working for them. Well, I think that you start to believe your own, your own fake, beautiful life. Yeah, that's true too. That's yeah, true. I, I, I don't. But, you know, it, it's interesting with, with the LinkedIn thing. When, when typically when I post something, mm-hmm. I ask myself the question, who is this for? What, what result would I expect from it? And, and you know, is, is it going to benefit? Because if I, if I put so, sometimes on, on like on the Facebook side, which I have completely locked down for just my friends and family, mm-hmm. because that's personal, it's nothing to do with my business. Mm-hmm. I see LinkedIn as my business format and, and Facebook is where I have fun with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. But so you, you kind of go through and think about that before you put it out there. It, it engages based on, on the intent. But on the same note, um, if, if someone privately, like say, for example, someone created a new logo for their business. And I really thought it was great. I would tell them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. If I didn't think it was great, I wouldn't respond on LinkedIn. I would maybe message them and say, Hey, can we talk about your logo? I I, I have some ideas or they get a horrible headshot. Mm -hmm. Recently, someone put up a headshot that I went, Oh my God, how could you, you're you're such a handsome person. Why, why do you have this washed out over lighted bad angled photo? So I contacted him separately because it's, it's not a place for conflict. Right. That's funny. You mentioned that because I just, uh, there's a woman on um, Facebook that has a, she has a huge group that follow her. Like she's got 65,000 people that, mm-hmm. you know, hang off every word she says. And she's very um, ordinary looking some a little bit, overweight and she never really does anything about her look Mm -hmm. and she's on 
Facebook Live like every day. Mm -hmm. She just posted these new headshots she'd had done. I thought it was a different person. Yeah. She had been done up. Her makeup was on. Her hair looked amazing. I thought it was amazing. And I started to comment on it. And then I realized I've got to be careful what I say because you can't say, oh, my God, I didn't recognize you. Mm -hmm. Right? You have to say it in such a way that's a fantastic photo of you. Right? So... Uh yeah, I'm launching a, pod, a podcast at the beginning of October uh, called The Fangled Cast. And one of, one of the interviews that I did is with a, a friend of mine who, in my opinion, is truly one of the best commercial photographers in the industry. And right. we were talking about, you know, what, what's the difference between a guy with a camera or a guy with a phone and a real photographer? Mm -hmm. And besides all the legal stuff of knowing how to do releases and having workers' comp insurance when they're taking the pictures and stuff, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff, it's really about, again, the intent. So for example, if you look at my headshot, which he took, mm -hmm. the top of my head is slightly cut. Well, there's a reason for that. The reason for that is that human beings psychologically find the first round object they see and look at it. So if, if you look at my photo with and without the, head, the top of my head touched, mm -hmm. you don't look me in the eye if, if, uh, if it really makes a difference. So and there's 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 real if if you if you're photographing with a real photographer and you need a an image that's lighted he gets the highlight just where it's the most interesting oh, yeah. to fit in and there's all of these different things that the professional photographer can do that, that sort of creates that relationship between the photo and the person who's going to see it because in most print and even digital media the first thing you see is the photo mm -hmm. or the graphic mm -hmm. the next thing you see are the headlines and then you get to the copy Mm -hmm. You can always lose somebody along that path. Right. For so, seven seconds or whatever. So, but but once, once you've sort of established that branded look that's you and you change it, it's shocking to people. Mm -hmm. It really is. That was my experience, right, with this yeah. person. It was amazing. Um, so tell me a little bit about your podcast. So it, is it going to be all interviews? Is it going to be some solos and... It's, it's going to be different than, than most of the interview podcasts that are out there. Yours is unlike the ones that drive me nuts. Yours is great. But there, there are ones there, which is basically, I am a business genius. And here is someone I think is almost as smart as me. Someone smart as me. Tell them how great you are. And at the end of it, you go, well, great. I got a little story about the journey where you got. And, and I got to hear about your, how, how brilliant and not humble you are. But I didn't learn anything. So, you know, I... So, so the idea is to bring somebody on with an expertise mm -hmm. and either solve a problem or help people. So my, my conversation with the photographer, Todd, who, who mm -hmm. is in one of my podcasts, the conversation is about how do you find a great photographer for your work? And once you find one, what's the most effective way to work with that photographer to get the best result? It's very different than tell me about your work. Mm -hmm. And and through that, if you if you if you're in the marketing world or, or not, and you need a photographer for something, there's great information in this podcast to help you find the right guy to to do that. Well, I can't wait so, to hear it now. Yeah, there's there's going to be another one about the word entrepreneur and and why I think it's been diluted and has oh, no meaning anymore. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Then the question is, if you buy a franchise submarine sandwich shop, are you an entrepreneur? And my answer is no. Yeah. You just bought a job. Congratulations. I agree. Not that there's anything wrong with that. For many people, that's a great investment, but it's not entrepreneurial. No, it's an overworked word for sure. 
totally yeah. and it's changed and its meaning has diluted as you said over time yeah and we'll be talking with a guy who who is a graphic designer mm -hmm. one of the best I would use he's my favorite mm -hmm. and about how the difference between a guy who can lay stuff out and somebody who truly can design whether it's logo layout or otherwise to your brand strategy mm -hmm. and how how do you again manage that to get to get the, the the graphics to line up with everything else that you're doing for that consistency. Uh, and also to, to grow your brand and, and get those advocates for your brand, those voracious advocates mm -hmm. everybody wants. Cool. So th th those are the kinds of topics. So, um, yeah, so, so you're going to be doing all interviews? Mostly, mostly. Is it going to be video or just audio? Video. Oh. It'll probably end up being both because some of the formats where you put it out there doesn't have, don't have the video, but it'll be... The main, the main podcast will be video. Does it have, what, what's it called again? Fangled? The Fangled Cast. Oh, cute. Okay. All right. This is good. I like it. So um, you are, I think, a reader. Are you a reader? I, I do know how to read, yeah. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I, do, so, I do read, yes. What, what, what do you read? Do you read uh, business books or do you read novels? Do you read a combination? I, I read business books, biography, um, mm -hmm. just things that sort of interest me. Mm -hmm. Are you reading uh, right now? I like, I like biography. I like, I like to read funny things. I don't really read many novels. No. Um, I used to, but uh, it's, it's usually something that, that either is a, a topic of interest for one of my hobbies, or it's a, a book about somebody I admire and I want to learn from, or somebody I, I think is horrible. And I want to understand more why that is and, and how not to be that person. Can we talk about your hobbies for a second? Sure. Because that is what fascinated me the most when I spoke to you last time, is that you are in a very um, uh, left brain world in, this, in one sense, in that business. But I know mm -hmm. that there's a lot of creative stuff that goes on in the work that you do, of course. But it is a very left brain kind of world. And, um, and, I, and I learned that you are very uh, artistic and, and craft oriented because we both shared a love for knitting. That was one thing. Uh -huh. And then your, um, was it pottery? No, it was uh, mosaic, there was something else. Glass. Glass. I work, glass. I work with glass and I also, I also uh, do woodworking and furniture making. That's right, I know. Like, yeah. And some of all of those things is left brain in a way, it's mm -hmm. very, right? But it's also very creative. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, it, it really has to do, in, in, in my opinion, in, in, in mental health, for me, if, if I don't have a creative outlet that turns off what I'm doing in the business world, I, I, I don't feel well. Um, when, when I can be creative and do something completely different, it's, it's an escape yeah. at the same time. It, it exercises other muscles in, in the brain that, that, that make me very happy. Well, and you're very and, talented at the work that you do too. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's neat. Like for example, in my kitchen, all of the, the, the pendants that are hanging, we, my wife and I blew in a glass studio. Cool. So, so there's a, you know, a certain satisfaction when people come by. And they see it and they say, wow, where, where did you buy those? And it's kind of, well, I didn't, I didn't really buy them. I made them. And, and there, you know, there's, there's sort of an ego thing involved in that, as well as the fact that I, I love the fact that we did it and people appreciate how beautiful they are. You know, what's uh, really funny that you're looking, are you actually in your kitchen, but you've got this thing behind I'm, you? I'm not out the window just now an ambulance drove by. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I thought maybe they were they were here for me. <laughs> so um, one of my favorite words is curiosity, and I always like to ask people, "What what are you curious about?" On everything. Okay. Everything. As a matter of fact, there there's a, a friend of mine who is a consultant, and his entire practice is based on the concept that if you can help employees within your with your in your company become more curious, you you will get higher productivity. And he has actual scientific data to back it up. He's going to be a guest on my podcast. He does? Because, oh, oh, this is- I'm going to introduce you. I'll be introducing yes, you to him. Because- yeah, it, His name is Mike Vistas, and he's from a, a company called, is, is, his partnership is called Inquizo. Inquizo. I, I'm probably mispronouncing it. He's going to kill me. Okay. I'll, I'll and, listen to him on your podcast too. But yes, I'd love to talk to him because yeah. I really feel- that curiosity is innate. Yeah, and it's required. You, you, you know, when, when you look at the job positions that are out there, and, and we're all wired differently for different things, you can argue whether it's genetic, whether it's nature, and all that stuff. But at some point, we <laughs> there are people who have very low levels of curiosity that are fantastic for operations. Yes. Um, yes. The, the guys, bookkeepers, don't have much curiosity, but a chief financial officer is a curious person to figure out how to, to play with the puzzles to make things work differently. So and there's different levels of it. about a forensic accountant? Yeah, yeah. They, they have to be curious. Yes. But in the marketing world, you know, the, there's, and, and this is something I get myself in trouble with some people because they think I'm being insulting, but I'm not. There, there are strategic marketing folks who really do what I do, go back to the beginning and really build a strategy. And then there are marketing guys that are basically toolmen, tactical. And the tactical guys are the ones that will come to you and say, yes, I'm, an, I'm a marketing professional. I can drive 100,000 people to your website. I get you 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. I can get you 100 leads off your website every day. And you ask them the question, well, that, that's great that you can do that, but why? What, what am I going to get out of it? What, what, what strategy does that help me? If, if, if I'm in a niche market where there's only 1,000 potential customers in the world, what do I need 100,000 visitors? So, and, and those are the guys who tend to be a little bit less curious to be strategic, the guys who can do developing a brand and, and really come up with the creative side, the graphic layout or curious people, photographers mm -hmm. uh, who do conceptual work. A photographer whose job is to take one piece at a time at a distributor and take a picture with a white background, mm -hmm. that doesn't need to be a creative guy. Right. That needs to be someone who knows how to follow procedures. So there, there's, there's gradients of it everywhere, but I'm a firm believer that if any person, and that's why I love Mike's work so much, any person that you can help to gain a new level of curiosity or increase curiosity uh, makes them more productive and more interesting to, to, to work with. And I think it's good for your mental health. I, oh, I couldn't agree more. And I love that con this conversation because I always ask my, my guests most of the time about that word. And um, I love what you said and uh, how important it can be to... Mm -hmm productivity. Yeah. You know, I, I worked for most of my career overseas in international trade and I, I discovered something that I have no data to back it up except for my own observations of all the international guys that I met over the years. And I, I broke it down in a slightly different way without using the word curiosity and it later evolved was there similarity people and there's difference people. So the sim similarity guy shows up. I can't in, say that word. I, I Similarity? Never similar. It's really hard for me to say. No, no, it's not similarity. It's similarly, similar. Yeah, see, I can't say it. 
I, this I can't help you with. Yeah. <laughs> Not a speech therapist. <laughs> but anyhow, a similarity person gets off the plane in a third world country and immediately is looking for the McDonald's yes. because that's what they know. Yeah. And they want to stay in a, in a, a very high level hotel so that they have a bed like they had at home. They want a shower that works like they had. And, and even though they're in a foreign country, they will not try anything new because mm -hmm. they're, they're tied to the similarity of things. Difference person shows up in the same country. Wow. The smell in the air, the food, what's going on in that market. Can you take me to a supermarket? I want to see what people here buy. Can you, you know, take me to, to the open, whatever there's, they're always looking for what's different. These are the curiosity people also, mm -hmm. but now, now you're going to be dealing with someone in, in, in a foreign country. And if you came from that similarity, sort of that the old patriotic, we're number one mindset, all of a sudden you're across the table from somebody inferior to you because he doesn't have any of the stuff you do right. when you're, when you're, a person who, who, who understands difference and has curiosity, the person across the table, yes, he's different, but isn't that interesting? Yes, totally. And it does, it's not a judgment to say that they're different. No. It's, and, and that allows you to then build that relationship immediately. And the fact that you're curious and you're asking questions to really understand those differences builds the relationship faster because what yeah. do people love? They love to talk about themselves and share their culture. Oh, you're interested in us. Most people come here and they couldn't care less. They just want to sell me something. Let me, tonight I'm going to take you with my wife to our favorite restaurant. And we're going to show you, we're going to walk you through the city. The similarity guy is like, no, no, I'm going to eat at the hotel. I'm good. <laughs> and it really is a difference. Totally. And this is so, so good. This is like gold because <laughs> that's what I teach all the time is about building relationships. And you have to be curious to do it. And you have to be authentic about it. You have to... You have to care about people enough and, and ask questions so that, because they love talking about themselves, exactly yeah. what you just said. Oh, this is so good. It's the core, the core of being the difference between an order taker and a true salesman. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I, I can't tell you how often when we're coaching sales teams, we just get these guys that they're, they're, they're going to sell that product and they're going to walk out. They have no relationship and there's no reason for that person to reach out to them again. Even today in this society today. At, Absolutely. There's wow. so many people. Well, how often have you heard the expression, people don't like to be sold? Mm -hmm. People okay. hate being sold. I, I, I call BS on that. People love to be sold because being sold means that somebody created an immediate relationship or, or, or relationship over time, asked you these probing questions to truly understand what your challenges, what your problems and what you need solved are, and then provide it for you. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want their, their problems resolved? That's what sales is. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I made a, a comment the other day to someone. It's, it's, it's kind of like sex. If somebody in the process isn't enjoying it, it's probably not happening properly. It's not being done right. <laughs> Same with sales. I think that's a good place to, to wrap up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one last, um, one last uh, thought or question is, um, my audience is, Probably mostly, not probably, I know they are mostly um, biz, small business owners and sales professionals and on entrepreneurs, term loosely uh, meant, and, uh, and some network marketers of which you're not really excited about, but that's okay. And what would you leave as one last thing you want to share with my audience? Well, first, I do love network marketers that are truly network marketers and not just people getting vanity clicks and, and other okay. things. Um, 
I think it would go back to what we've talked about the whole time, the, the, the ability to be so curious, to endear yourself to the people that you're working with so that they, they immediately, not fake, but immediately get that you're interested in them and you want to help them with whatever the challenge is that you're there to help. You, you, you will be a hundred steps in front of your competition who's just there to get an order. Love it. Well, this has been delightful. And I know I could talk for hours with you because you have so many stories and and I, uh, I bonded with you over knitting. So that was the most. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. And where can my audience find you? Our, our website is oh, right there and, behind you. Yeah. Yep. Well, this is, is this going on video or just audio? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fangled. Well, you'll put it in the notes, but fangledtech.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn by my name, Andrew Deutsch. And uh, I'm happy, happy to, to increase networking all the time with folks that either I can add value or can add value to what I'm doing. Awesome. And we look forward to your um, fangled cast. Yes. Yep. Fangled cast. Podcast that will be, um, will be uh, airing soon. And I totally look forward to that uh, few episodes that you talked about. So thank you again for being a guest on the Relationships Rule podcast. And thank you to my listeners, of course, for being here and supporting me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes and remember to stay connected and be remembered.